It's the Total Football New Zealand podcast. I'm Connor Clemens, joined today by my regular co-host Mike Anderson and a special guest, Joe Foll. It's a pleasure to have you on, and I do want to start off by just asking you why you love West Ham so much. Well, firstly, thank you. It's, it's very good to be here. Um, I, I love West Ham for the same reason that everybody loves West Ham, um, <laughs> and that's and, and that's because we are um, a team that's very up and down, and the the downs make the ups. Even better, right? I mean, e- even if you have a look at uh, the result that we had over the weekend, um, the the backs the wall performance from Fulham, and then ended it with the penalty, which was incredible. Um, any team that has Colton Cole as one of your club icons, I think uh, it speaks volumes, right? So, gotta have fun, gotta love it. <laughs> and how you were telling us pre-show that you founded the Kiwi Hammers? How did that come about? Yeah, um, so they actually came about with one of my uh, close friends in New Zealand who I um, was at a Wellington Phoenix game with and it was in the build-up. It was a season that we were in the the championship and we'd qualified for the playoff finals. Mm -hmm. So we we thought um, we'd see sort of how many West Ham fans there are in the Wellington region and see how many people we could get together to watch us. So we kicked off, um, we we spread the word and we got around 45 people at Four Kings. Oh, nice. Um, Watching that's pretty, watching, that's pretty good, Ajo. Um, so, is it is are you getting that regularly, or is it just was it just the first time? <laughs> uh, I think I think it was mainly because it was a bigger event, so we don't quite get those numbers regularly. But we've got a group split across Auckland, Wellington, um, Napier. Napier's got a really big West End following, and they, they do a, a fantastic job up there. Um, but altogether, there's there's almost 800 of us now. Um, oh, that's the pretty good. And, and and thinking of a club, you know. Um, that doesn't have the same level of exposure as your Man Cities, your Chelsea's, your Man United's. Um, it, it's quite good to have that sense of community and that family feel with your your, your fellow um, countrymen. Oh, that's awesome, mate. Well, um, yeah, I'm sure that we'll be hearing more from you about West Ham as we go on, even though they're not part of our three main talking points, but we'll squeeze them in when we can. Um, just talking about that game quickly where we can, uh, West Ham Fulham, that penalty at the end, oh, my word. Probably the worst penalty I've ever seen taken uh, at Lookman. What was he thinking? Uh, it's the sort of thing that I'd probably try at Sunday League, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> in the last minute to to draw, no way. When you're in a relegation battle, it's it's inexcusable. And and to be fair, it's a bit of a disservice to Lookman, who I think was probably Fulham's strongest player on the pitch, aside from their goalkeeper. He's he's a great player, young English, but um obviously a, a brain fart that you just can't afford. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And as they say, it looks great when they come off, but when you do them badly, I mean, it's truly one of the worst I've ever seen. So Lookman, I'm sure, will be looking at himself in the mirror. Uh, He's had a long time to do it, and uh, yeah. What do we reckon? Um, That penalty or the Zimoni Zaza miss when he was playing for Italy? Oh, the the super long run-up slow motion one. Uh, no, I've got to say that one. I've got to say that one because it meant more. It was the last minute. Yeah, no, that was the worst one I've seen. It was, yeah, I think technically Zaza's was worse. Um, yeah. But I, I think just the, the the mindset of Lookman was inexcusable. And, and yeah, if I was Scott Parker, I'd be I'd be fuming. Absolutely fuming. You can tell that he's not going to play uh, this, this game coming up that Fulham do have um, because, yeah, I mean, if he starts him after that, especially against Everton as well, uh, obviously with Lookman's history with Everton, it's, it's quite funny that he's done it just before that game. Um, well, funny for us, but not funny for the player himself. He's going to be absolutely crushed. He won't get to face uh, Everton because of that terrible miss. 
Um, well, we do, we wanted to do, so Mike, before we wanted to kind of get into the talking points we've got today, we wanted to kind of do a summary of where we're at uh, in the Premier League because obviously this is the Premier League pod, the TFNZ uh, review of the Premier League, and also we've had a bit of an international break. So just going over the results recently, I mean, the table, it stands at the moment that Leicester is top with Tottenham second, with Liverpool third, um, Tottenham and Liverpool on the same point, 17 Southampton in fourth. What a sh- th- what a shock that is. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, on 16, then Chelsea. Aston Villa still up there. Everton as well. Um, and then, interestingly, so you've got your Crystal Palace Wolves. Interestingly, looking at the bottom of the table, there's a team that we're going to be talking about immensely, Sheffield, in this, in this pod. But I just want to say, Man United still in 14th. How good is that looking, Mike? It's something that we can all appreciate. Hey, um, <laughs> I i got to say, it's one of the very few teams, and I think it's because I still have a, soft, a spot from, from 2014, um, but if Leicester won it with Brendan Rodgers, I think I'd be very happy. Like, I, I think we all would, mate. I think Leicester's one of those teams that you just look at them and you go, I would love them to repeat that kind of miracle that they had with Ranieri as their manager. I think most yeah. like people would say, look, if there's going to be a second team that you want to win, rather than someone like Spurs, who obviously haven't won in a long time, you'd say, I'd rather have Leicester win it over Spurs. And I'm not just saying that as an Arsenal fan. I'm saying that as most people in the Premier League and, and who support clubs in the Premier League would say, look, I'd rather have a Leicester win it than a Tottenham, than a Liverpool again, or maybe even a Southampton sneaking in there, or an, or an Everton or an Aston Villa, you know? You're looking at these clubs that have been battling, and you say, why can't you come in and upset the, the top six and really make sure that the Premier League becomes that league that we know and love, rather than teams winning it at a canter um, and yeah, the teams who spend big money? winning it so yeah ideally that's what we'll see here's a question for you do you reckon this Leicester City side is stronger than the team that won the league oh that's a good question well that's a very good question mm, it's hard to tell only after so many games I mean just going back to the they won the league can you just imagine if um, Brendan Rodgers won the league he'd just be like the character of this team <laughs> <laughs> I think I think yeah that's a great question I think the players Apart from maybe, you know, the obvious like Mari's um, missing and being for Man City, I think the players are better collectively. I think the squad That's is good. better. Yeah, because you've got players like obviously Ndidi, um, no Kante as well, so that's another big player missing. Um, but Telemans has come in, obviously Vardy's still there, Vardy doing doing bits. Um, you've got Soyuncu in there, Madison. Uh, under James Justin as well has looked really good. I mean, and then Smichael's still there, but like Overall, yeah, I think the squad is better. And I think uh, Brendan Rodgers as well is a manager who who should have won it with Liverpool. Like if, you're, if you're going to be honest, they did kind of did the classic Liverpool thing and bottled it back in the day. And you're just looking at a squad that I think overall is better than what Claudio Ranieri had. I think a main reason why Leicester won the league last year was the failures of the... Uh, the, the Liverpool. Th- he means Liverpool, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. I mean, no, sorry, not last year. I mean, when Leicester won the league... Oh, yeah, um, 2016, ago, yeah. 2016 was, was largely due to the failures of the teams that should be up there, the top four. And mm. yeah, I, think, I think there's a suggestion, right, of the same thing happening again this year. So it, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if the injuries um, continue, which we are going to get onto very shortly, uh, I think that could be something that actually happens. And especially um, one of the other talking points that we have as well, whether Tottenham can get up there 
uh, will be heavily reliant on whether injuries happen to other teams and whether injuries happen to a few key players for Tottenham because we all know that if a few key players in Tottenham go down, that's it. That's their title hopes gone because they don't have the depth that other squads have. However, if the other squads around them lose key players and Tottenham manage to keep their stars like Son, Harry Kane fit, then maybe, just maybe, we could see them in the title race. But let's get to those talking points now. So the first talking point that we're going to talk about um, is what I briefly touched upon, which was the Liverpool thing. Gomez, gone. Van Dijk, gone. Both knee injuries. Also, Mohamed Salah, off on international duty with Egypt. Test positive for coronavirus. He's out. What does that mean for Liverpool's title hopes? Is this the final nail in the coffin, or do they have the depth uh, to continue on and try and go back-to-back? Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I think it's really interesting because um, you've kind of seen Thiago kind of like pop in and out of the squad. So, Mm. like, first of all, with coronavirus, then with an injury. And I heard um, a stat earlier that that Pep was going on about there being 43% more uh, muscle injuries at this point in the season, uh, which is just a bit ridiculous, right? Um, do I think Gomez, <laughs> Gomez out of the squad for the season is going to, or for an extended period of time, is going to make a massive difference? Yeah, but I'm kind of battle-hardened to it now because, you know, we lost Van Dyke. You know, <laughs> when you lose Van Dyke, you're, anything else is like a bonus, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And so... They've got Fabinho can hop into um, centre-back, although there was um, talk of him being injured as well. And hopefully Matip comes back. But a um, couple of the young centre-backs uh, um, centre from the academy have been playing quite well, and Klopp has been giving them minutes, which is good. And it's just that the young boys that they put all this money into, like Liverpool is a, one of the um, clubs in the Premier League, Premier League that does spend a lot of money on the academy, is just going to have to actually produce the goods if they're going to do anything this season. Mm. And Joe, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I know that yeah, Mike touched upon it with the whole Fabinho being injured constantly. I mean, club captain Henderson as well being injured. Um, and as well, you look across the league with injuries. Is this something that's maybe uh, affecting all Premier League clubs so Liverpool do have a chance still with key injuries in other areas? Or is this something that you know Liverpool, with the two main centre-backs out, you'd have to say with Gomez and Van Dijk being first choice last season... Um, is this just enough that it's, it's worse than the other clubs and uh, Liverpool already looking like their title back-to-back is, is kind of going up in smoke? Well, I think um, it all comes down to the Champions League that took place at the end of the season last season. So a lot of your European sides, or particularly top four, will, will suffer for that. Um, kind of echoing Mike's point, I think it, it's time. It's make or break their season, depending on how the, the youngsters perform. Um, but for me, I, I guess it, it comes down to Klopp, and my opinion is that he should have planned for this. It hasn't come as a surprise, and even towards the end of this season, he's got the Euros, and then another Premier mm-hmm. League season, and then the World Cup. So why he's going into a season where he's going to be in a title race and pushing for the Champions League, does he go into it with only really three senior centre-backs? Mm. Um, you've got Man City, they've got Diaz, Stones, Ake, Laporte, Garcia, and even Walker, mm. um, even West Ham, right? Um, we, we're not on the same level, but Ogbonna, Diop, Balbuena, Dawson and, and Declan Roy, Rice can yeah. um, fit in there comfortably. Mm. They just have don't have the depth for it. 
Which is crazy thinking about it because obviously they're the Premier League champions and so you'd think that they're going to go away and spend but then they get rid of um, someone like Lovren a couple of seasons ago and then they were saying that they were going to get rid of a couple of other centre-backs um, as well and then obviously they they didn't manage to get it. I can't remember the guy's name who, who deputised recently. Um, Klopp was trying to clear him out and then he comes in and, and starts full 90 and gets a clean sheet which is a crazy story. Mm. Um, yeah, Chris Williams, eh? And my, I think it might have been Reese Williams, yeah, potentially. But he, he just comes in, he slots in, and and does the job. But Klopp said, "Yeah, it's a miracle we kept him because we were trying to get him out." Um, yeah. Which is just, which is just a beggar's belief because, yeah, like Joe said, I mean, Liverpool having three centre backs and and going into the season that's been disrupted by coronavirus, having come off the Champions League uh, kind of mini competition that they staged, and then yeah, not not really planning for this whole thing is is just crazy. Because um, yeah, even right, like you've got that they spent money this last transfer window, so that's not the issue. They've they spent what twenty odd million on Thiago, forty million on Jota. Mm. Um, could that that money have gone on the centre back and and add squad depth, or um, could they have even sold someone like Oxlade Chamberlain um, to kind of raise funds for it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk around um, throughout the summer or limited um, off season. There was a lot of talk around them signing like various different centre backs, but it, all, it was all linked in with um, talk from like other big clubs' targets as well. Um, there was no sort of like kind of you know like milestones or marquee centre back, a bit like with like they did with Van Dyke. Mm. And as a Liverpool fan, you're hoping, okay, so like that is an obvious kind of like we've just won the Premier League, but if you look at that whole side, it's purring. But the, it was always the one. You know, you could pick your starting 10. Yeah. The, the number 11 was always the centre-back to actually go with Van Dyke. So, Connor, you said Gomez was the starter, but that wasn't the case the whole season, right? So, like, Matip actually start, start, um, started at the beginning of the season. And so it would be good to get another, like, starting 11 centre-back, uh, um, somebody mm. actually could claim their place. And he just clearly didn't do that. He didn't spend the money or didn't identify, like, who that person was in the academy. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's spot on. And the person I I was mentioning was Nathaniel Phillips, by the way, twenty three year old centre back. So he's he was going to be loaned back out, um, and then they were going to sell him as well. And eventually, both of those fell through due to coronavirus, and he was uh, eventually maintained and and then started that game and, and played really well. So it's one of those things where it was a happy accident for for Liverpool, especially as they were trying to get him out. But yeah, you're right. Um, I think we've we've kind of gone off the talking point and it's become more of like a general discussion about injuries, which is, is something that actually I think is probably more uh, at the fore here because coronavirus really has stunted a lot of these players in terms of the fact that they were training at home. They didn't have that ability to, to get games under their belt or to get that training in um, even in the off-season where they could have done that work and put in that work and so unfortunately it seems that we're having all these muscle injuries occur because of that and it just seems Liverpool uh, out of all the squads because of that extra load has been hit one of the hardest um, and so I think the the what the way to tie it all together is to say yes I think that the injuries are bad but as you say Mike they do have just enough cover at the moment to, to get to get through and basically you're you're battle hardened and you're going into you're, you're going to war and you're just saying let's just do it for these guys who are injured but at the same time they are coming up against other weakened squads which which means that they're not having to deal with the full power of other other squads for example um the likes of man city have injuries the likes of arsenal have injuries 
um, these these teams that they're playing um, coming up. It's not going to be as much of an issue as we potentially envisaged when you saw, okay, Gomez and Van Dyke out. Maybe that's not the end because of all this other injuries suffered by the other um, teams. Um, okay, so we've got another talking point, and I think I'll start with you, Joe, for this one. Mm-hmm. This is a this is one that I I wanted to talk about before we get into the Spurs one. It's Sheffield. So last season, obviously, they were the big surprise. They did so well. Um, everyone was talking about their centre backs pushing high and splitting wide. Um, everyone was saying how how much of a good manager Chris Wilder was. Now they're bottom of the table. They've got one point. What happened to Sheffield? Is it second season syndrome? Are they going to go down? So I've got to be very careful here because we play them this weekend. Um, <laughs> so um, this is very much come back to bite me. Um, but but uh, overall, I think Chris Wilder is an excellent manager. And I think um, no matter what happens with him at this season, it doesn't take away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do have a look at the squad that they have, it is, I would say, again, bear in mind we're playing this weekend, probably <laughs> the, the weakest squad in the Premier League. Um, I, I was just having a bit of a review of it prior to this, and I I can't see many of their players getting into a mid-table side in the Premier League. Potentially Sanderberg, um, but aside from that, I do think it is a, a small squad, um, but a weak squad overall. Um, teams naturally find out other clubs, um, especially when clubs first get promoted, they've got the energy, they've got the the buzz and the excitement of playing in the Premier League, then they get found out. And I think that's what's happened to Sheffield United this season. And I do think it's they'll probably be one of the teams to go down. I like it that you preface that with they are playing West Ham um, because Sheffield haven't lost against West Ham at home since 1968. So West Ham <laughs> are winless in their last three away games against Sheffield United. Um, and they beat them. The last time they beat them was in a, actually in a championship match in 2004. They haven't won a top flight match since 1968. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and Sheffield United have won all three of their home Premier League games against West Ham. So this they could love be. Us. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they ever, do. Ever since the Tevez, ever since the Tevez <laughs> gate, um, they, they really upped their game for us. So yeah, I'm very, very careful uh, about my words. <laughs> You're hoping that they don't pick up their first three points of the season against you. <laughs> it's so, it'd be so West Ham. <laughs> I hate to always do this, but um, you mentioned that you wouldn't don't reckon that um, any of the Sheffield United players would walk into another um, starting eleven in the Premier League, right? Yeah. So just going like track back, uh, going going back to the Liverpool talk for a sec. Um, Nate, um, Nate uh, Phillips and Joe Massip are going back. would you say that those two are a starting centre-back pairing for any other um, Premier League side apart from Sheffield? Hold on, you're saying Phillips and who? Phillips and Matip Nathaniel Phillips and Matip starting combo um, in, in terms of starting combination probably not the both of them, Matip um, would make it into most sides um, below eighth, in my opinion. Um, the, the combination of them, no. Um, but that's why every team has squads. On some occasions, they will be weaker first 11s, or starting 11s. And I think 
Liverpool have such a strong side that they shouldn't, in theory, be engaged too much. I do think they'll struggle with Vardy, though. I think Vardy's very good at stretching defenders. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you're looking at Matip, who's not the quickest guy. Um, Phillips, who's not doesn't have that experience. I think that, especially against teams like Leicester, teams like Man City, they're going to hurt you for sure. They, definitely. Yeah. Sorry about the diversion, guys. But no, no, it's fine. We, we know you love talking about Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that is your role. Um, I do want to get your thoughts, though. So uh, those players that Sheffield do have, I mean, no one in that squad stands out. Joe, you said Berg. I, I don't rate him myself. Um, uh, players like Ollie McBurney, David McGoldrick. Uh, yeah, like these guys just look like championship players to me and then they they go and sign someone like Jack Rodwell I mean you're looking at a guy who's just universally hated for his role in that um, Sunderland Till I Die show and also he just doesn't look like he cares about playing anymore and they go and sign him um, to be honest I think the only player in there that I really like who, who's probably not the best player um, but I like him because he, he just works hard as, as Ollie Norwood um, and he's a so bit of a journeyman like, because they've obviously lost Dean Henderson because he's gone back to Man United, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it, it, was that, like, the cornerstone of the way they play? Because I know, I know they like to play, like, nice football. They like to pass the ball up from the back. Was that, is that, like, has that been the main issue? Or have they lost, like, a couple of other linchpins? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, Moussa's not scoring as many goals. He scored quite a few goals for them last season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at... John players. Fleck was key last year. Yeah, as well. Fleck was, and he's he's gone, isn't he? No, I think he's he, he's still with with the team, but I think he's just not been as effective. Mm. Uh, and they signed. Oh, he is. Yeah, you're right. John Fleck still is there, but he. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't been as effective. Uh, you're looking at players like Phil Jagielka, who obviously used to be a really top level player, but he's he's getting on now in, in years, and so his effectiveness is is being blunted. And then someone like Ryan Brewster, who's been signed from Liverpool to, to make a difference and, and hasn't shown that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Sheffield are really in trouble, and I do think at this rate, I, I picked them in, I think, in my preseason um, pick, as you do, you go, all right, so last year they were good. I don't think they're going to be as good this year. I think I put them about 13th. Well, they've really fallen off, and for me, I think this is second season syndrome, and they will be going down, unfortunately, for Sheffield. Uh, yeah, I mean, going back to my earlier point around their squad, because I've been just been looking at the other squads, Burnley, um, they've got Pope, Tarkovsky, Dwight McNeil. I think those teams would do well in um, stronger teams. In the, those players do well in a, in a stronger yeah, Premier League yeah. team. Yeah. Um, West Brom, Dean Garner, Pereira, Charlie Austin, Kieran mm-hmm. Gibbs, mm-hmm. Fulham, Ariola, Lookman, Loftus-Cheek. I, I just don't see the same when I look at the squad of Sheffield United. Yeah, and spot on. That's spot on. They're definitely a squad full of championship players, so it looks like they are destined to head down to the championship. All right, the final talking point, a team that's definitely not destined for the championship um, at all, Spurs. Legitimate title challenges or not? Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Do you think that Spurs are legitimate title challenges, or do you think that injuries are going to derail their potential challenge again, or do you think they're just going to do a Spurs and bottle it no matter what? Mike? I'll be honest, I'm kind of worried about this because this has caught me completely by surprise. So somebody told me last week that Tottenham was, um, I think at the time, top or second. Mm-hmm. And it just completely caught me by surprise. But then I realized every time I check the results, like Tottenham have been getting 1-0 wins, 2-1s, and that kind of thing. And it's they're kind of playing themselves into the form 
that you would be potentially worried about by being like one of the other top six sides. I mean, there's the obvious um, like two, two key people that if Sun or Kane go down, but then again, you've got Bale helping out. Jose like Jose's actually seems to have them actually playing like a proper side. Um, but then on the flip side to that, it's just one Mourinho meltdown away, and it could all go to crap again. And Joe, what are what are your thoughts on this whole thing? And do you think the signings that Spurs made have have contributed to this upswing in form and and their ability to play more um, kind of attacking football? Obviously, last year they they were easy on the eye at times, but then they'd have games where they were literally just sleepwalking. Um, and I think we kind of saw a bit of that when they played their second string team against Antwerp in the Europa League. Uh, and they lost that game. Do you think that? Tottenham have it in them to challenge or do you think that it's going to be another season of disappointment for Spurs? I think ultimately it's going to be another season of disappointment um, and we've all seen Tottenham when they turn it on they're an incredible side you look at um, was it the 6-1 dismantling of Manchester United mm-hmm. um, you look at <laughs> the first 15 minutes against West Ham right? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that you got it in there well done <laughs> um, but ultimately I, I think they're, they're a team that they're not a team of winners and I think the main thing that will be their undoing will be um, their mentality mm-hmm. and I think as well signing Gareth Bale will just make that even worse um, in the sense that he spent the last few years visibly not enjoying Real Madrid um, He's you know, we've learned like very much over the past few years that he doesn't enjoy his football he's, he's obviously got an incredible amount of talent but um He's not somebody that, if I was um, Lucas Moura, for example, I'd be happy giving up my starting spot for. Mm-hmm. Somebody who worked, battled in a Champions League and got the, the hat-trick that got them through to, to the final. You don't sure. reckon, though, that like uh, the history that he has at the club, um, the fact that he might be enjoying football a bit more, he's back in his home, or not home country, but... Um, you get what I mean. Like Wales is just down the road. Everything's a bit more familiar. He's got more friends um, around him. You don't think that's going to be be a, a contributing factor to him actually playing well? Oh, I think he'll play well. I think there'll be games that he will um, you know, drag Tottenham by the scruff of the neck, but I don't think that's going to be a consistent. I think inherently he's, he's somebody who's coasted over the past few years. And, and I know I may get a lot of haters for saying that, but... <laughs> but um, but I, I think he is somebody, when things get hard, I, I wouldn't want to rely on him. And if I was Harry Kane, although I'll be excited to have him back, I would be very mindful of that. Well, I think that the next run of fixtures is going to be the real acid test as to whether we will be talking about them in another six weeks' time as real contenders or pretenders. Because in the next six weeks, Tottenham have Man City, obviously first up on Sunday at 6.30am New Zealand time. Following that, they have Chelsea at 5.30am on Monday. Then they have Arsenal. Um, That's to be decided in terms of the time frame due to TV rights. After that, they've got Crystal Palace, Liverpool, and Leicester. So we're looking at at a real run where if Tottenham pick up big points in that run, I'm going to say, okay, look, they're, they're up there for the title challenge because they've beaten these teams that traditionally... Tottenham have struggled to beat who are these top six sides who are challengers for the title or challengers for the top four, right? If they win and they pick up points, then yes, they've got a they've got a shout. However, if they do what they've done in the past, they don't pick up the crucial points in these matches, 
then you have to say, look, it's it's another pretend season for them. Um, that's it's going to be another season of disappointment, and uh, we'll we'll look to next season maybe if they can somehow sort their squad out. But yeah, this is this is the acid test really for them. I know it seems silly, but I just can't imagine a world where Tottenham are winning titles. <laughs> Joe, I would have said that about Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people said that about Liverpool. It took them thirty years. I mean, we know that Tottenham's a lot longer um, for their for their big big title than thirty years. I think it's going on seventy something now. But at the same time, you know, you never count it out because, as Leicester proved, you can do it if you believe, if you dream, and if you have the team, you can do it. They've definitely got the players for it. Um, I, I just, I just worry about their mentality. But mm-hmm. right, um, you know, Mourinho is a coach who, who's, who is a winner. And if he can, if he can work his magic and bring back the Mourinho of old, then yeah, they're, they're, they've got a good chance. He's been bought in to do it. If he manages, yeah. if he manages to win a title with Tottenham, I think his previous kind of barren spell of like not winning you know, big titles and stuff would all be forgiven. You know, he would be back if he won a big title with Tottenham. Oh, and he wouldn't let us he wouldn't let us forget it, I tell you what. Mourinho would be <laughs> up out there in the press saying how great he was. He would be out there to everyone saying who doubted him and he'd be like, I told you I'm the best manager of all time and I proved it by winning a title with this terrible club. Although he won't say terrible club, he'll just say it's with Spurs. He might do. He could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mourinho does love a bit of drama. You know what? I'd love it if he did that. Um, the terrible club part, not winning trophies with Spurs. Let's let's just pretend that <laughs> didn't happen. Um, okay, well, final thoughts, boys, before we before we sign off. We've covered off all those talking points. Joe, uh, do you have anything more to say about West Ham? I mean, that Lanzini goal, fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's beautiful. Um, well, yeah, I, I've just been very impressed by the way that we've played this season. Um, I know the results look very average on paper, but if you have a look at the fixtures that we've played, we've played a large number of, of the top, or the supposed top eight, um, and we've just come down to and we're just coming down to a run of easier fixtures. So, um, at this stage of the season, I would have put us um, in preseason. I would have put us at bottom of the league. But um, who knows? I think Moyes has done an incredible job. I think he gets a very rough time by a lot of um, a lot of football fans based on his previous experience. But mm. I, I would love to see him build something really stronger and get us into uh, Europe within the next few years. And how good is Declan Rice? Ah, oh, he's he's a magician. Um, Declan Bauer is is what we call him. Um, <laughs> um, honestly, he he's somebody who I, I watch just do little small tackles. Um, retain possession um you know he's somebody who will slide from behind and just give you a bit of a heart attack but he'll cleanly get the ball and it and just distribute the ball within seconds and it's beautiful and i'm really happy that he got his first england goal the other day yeah yeah starting for england scoring goals it's it's all looking good in terms of Declan rice's career are you worried that in the next couple of years he'll leave or do you think he'll stay loyal to the hammers I really don't know. Um, being being a West Ham fan, naturally, I've resigned myself to to losing him eventually. Mm-hmm. But the things that he says are, are um, really positive. Um, he does get idolised by our fan base, and rightly so as well. Um, and, and I guess there's a point that if we can match what type of wages that that Chelsea or whoever could offer him, um, and promise him adoration um, from the fan base, maybe he'll continue as long as we look competitive. Yeah, and does a fit Lanzini feel like a new signing? Um, yes, absolutely. He's. Um, I still don't 
have a hundred percent confidence in his fitness just yet, and I think you can still see him pull out of some challenges. Mm. Um, he he looked brilliant, and he got called up to Argentina, and then um, got that horrible injury before he was even able to play a game, which which put him out for a very long time. Uh, I'm hoping that the Spurs goal um, triggers the revival for him because he's a magician. He, he he's really good with the ball at his feet, and he's somebody who carries the ball forward and and gets you an extra few yards of possession. So I'd love to see the old Lanzini back. Yeah, absolutely, man. When he's in his prime, he looks fantastic, unplayable at times. So really hoping that he can stay injury free and mesmerize the Premier League. Okay, Mike, uh, your final thoughts on Liverpool's starting eleven. Uh, for their match this weekend, who who are they going to play in their game against Leicester? So I've already gone around um, the um, the two centre backs, right? Yeah. Uh, so Nate Phillips and Joel Matip. Mm-hmm. Um, reading this though, it looks like um, Trent Alexander Arnold might uh, might be out. Yep. Um, it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I asked you and the there's question. Strong, there's strong doubts over Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. Yep. So it. Possibly could be the starting eleven we put out against Aston Villa when we went to the Club World Cup, um, and yeah, that's not going to be great. I mean, as long as as long as we got Thiago, um, Jordan Henderson, we'll have Mane in there, and um, Firmino, and um, obviously Diego Jota. Just yeah, fingers crossed we can get something that resembles a first team um, lineup out, and uh, it's against Leicester. It's going to be a great game. I think my score prediction, I'm going to, you know, be positive about it. It's going to be a 2-1 win. Vardy, of course, will get a goal. Um, and then the other game that has piqued my interest, um, well, actually a couple. Um, you got Leeds-Arsenal, which is I think oh, is going to be a really fun game to watch. That'll be a great game. Man, oh, it's a great weekend of football, eh? Man City-Tottenham. Um, and then there's a cellar-dweller um, clash between Man United and West Brom. <laughs> You've been waiting all night to say that, haven't you? <laughs> I've got a big smile on my face right now. <laughs> um, and then, like, one team I think that's kind of like flying under, under the radar a little bit, they're not obviously going to get any sort of honours, but they seem to be doing better than they normally do is Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I... So it'll be inter- interesting to see how they go against Chelsea because Chelsea's been playing some good football. So, you know, I'd love to see Newcastle pick up a couple, a couple of points against him. I think Newcastle, like all these teams who are playing Chelsea before they get to 16 games or so, it's probably what they wanted because as soon as as soon as they get to that like you know 13, 14 game game mark, that's when they're going to start really clicking. I think when when all these yeah. players who they've bought uh, are going to start really clicking, they're going to start turning into the force that I think Lampard wanted. Um, and obviously he wasn't going to get it from the start of the season, but you want to play them before. Um, yeah, they start clicking because as soon as they start clicking, that when they're playing all those second round games against you, it's going to be a very different Chelsea that you're facing. I think. Um, and Joe, you can rub this in my face all you want next week, but Sheffield United are going to get a three 0 win. <laughs> oh, mate! No, 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 no! Yeah. Like, what? They've scored four goals all season. Yeah, <laughs> you're saying it's going to be seven. Oh man! Oh man! That is a huge call. On, on, honestly, if um, if they do, I'll, I'll I'll wear a Liverpool top. <laughs> <laughs> this is huge. All right, so they they need to win by three or more goals for that to happen, right? Done. Okay, cool. Have you got a West Ham top I can borrow? Um, I don't think any that'll fit you. Oh. 
Oh, sorry, that was a bit harsh. Um, um, but, but yeah, I've got, I've got sympathy for you, mate. Cool. All right, so if, if West Ham win by three or more goals, then Mike, you're going to be wearing a West Ham shirt. That's That sounds good. I feel like that's a good way to finish off the episode. Thank you, Joe, for coming on. Uh, appreciated your West Ham knowledge. Mike, it's a pleasure as always. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the Total Football New Zealand podcast. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. See you next week.